Hello and welcome to Dad Educates Daughter on 80s Music, Series 3, Episode 8. I'm Russell and this is my daughter, Rebecca. Hello. Hello, Dad. You all right? I'm good, thank you. I'm thinking another... So we had a, a positive week last week. To your surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four um, thumbs up and two down. Um, yeah. Yeah, it could, could be similar this week. I'm guessing three at least. Okay. Mm. So just to recap who you had this week for everyone. Wet, 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 or wet drip dry, as I like to call them. Living in a box. Beastie Boys. The Proclaimers. Los Lobos and The Fall. So, how did you find it? It was a bad week. The beginning of the week was a really good start. Uh And it's really weird. I think I've decided that maybe hip-hop, if I'm right that there's a bit of hip-hop this week, it isn't really something i'm into i think i've found something that i dislike more than guitar solos and that's disc scratching oh right yes i'm not a fan of the beastie boys then i'm guessing well not necessarily i'm just not a fan of a lot of the Uh hip-hop at least now i'm back with the genre if that's who you've brought up straight away But no, it was a all right week to be fair. I was a bit worried though because of the amount of wet, wet, wet songs I had. I was like, uh, okay, this is going to take up a lot of my week. But it weren't, yeah, it weren't that bad. I managed to get through it. Uh-huh. So, the amount of songs you had, how many number ones are in there? Do you think? Oh, so I have gone with. Hang on, four. I've gone high this week. But I think the reason is because I think there's a couple of covers or I think there's one from a film. And I think that's the reason why there's some number ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how many are you going with? Four. You are correct. Oh, okay. All right. This is like the first time. So now I'm going to put you on the spot. Where yeah. do you think the four are? Right. I starred them. I've come prepared. So I think Wet 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 have two, and I'd put that because I think surely they've got to have more than one with the amount of songs they've got. So I've gone with, with a little help from my friends, and Love is All Around. And then I've got, I think Beastie Boys have one. I might be stretching it, but Fight for Your Right, I think is one. And then also the Proclaimers, I'm going to be. With it being such a big song, I'm like, it's got to be a number one. That's what I've gone with. They're my four. Okay. I'm going to throw something in here now. Listen to five number ones. Right. Four from the listened groups. So one of the songs is a number one with someone else. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. right. Let's talk music. Yes. Uh, Let's talk wet, wet, wet. Mm -hmm. 
So, as you say, you had a you had enough songs for them. So, what was your general impression of them? Twenty eight songs, to be precise. Twenty eight songs. It tells you they were successful. Well, yeah, it does. But so that leads to my first question: Why weren't they one of the big bands? You know, like the big four. Is it because I they came in they... too late? Yeah, I was going to say they're more a nineties band. Right. Than an 80s. Okay. I mean, from all all the from so from the um I don't want to give too much away until we, we go through this the songs, but from the songs you listen to mm. only seven were from the eighties. Oh, okay. I mean I did have a feeling they um, but you're going to get that now because we are we're in now the end of the 80s. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even the even the bands that, you know, we probably from the mid 80s were still, you know, but, obviously from just for me, but Aha, Erasure, the Pet Shop Boys, they were just as successful in the 90s as they were the yeah. 80s. So now so, you're coming to the end of the 80s. It's going to be even more so that groups are going to be more successful coming into the 90s. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah. All, all of all of these groups, of their first hit was 1987. Okay. So yeah, you're literally looking at one album, two albums, and then you're into the mm. 90s. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so I assumed that they went into the 90s. They've got a very, the main vocalist has got a beautiful voice. Um there's so many of their songs which are catchy and sing along and so a bit up my street. Although I was surprised some of them aren't on Spotify. So I had to wait until I did my videos to actually listen to those. So there is a couple that I've only been able to listen to once. And like, it was weird because some of them were really, they had a nice mix basically. They had their love songs, fun ones, harsher ones that weren't as much up my street. And then... Yeah, ones that are right up my street. I put them down as pop soul for a genre. And I feel like these, I think there was four of them I saw. And I think they got that poster look. So like people would have had them on their walls. And I feel like they aged like fine wine, not going to lie. As I got through it, I was like, people could follow them and still like them looks wise. But yeah, they you know they had they had a bit of a nineties look as well, which gave it to me like in a couple of songs. You know that spiky hair that everyone did, and it was all just like a hedgehog. They had that, um, but no, like it was nice. I don't want to give too much away about what I thought, but like I said, they had a a mix of songs in there, uh-huh. um, and I got through them without hating them, like to the okay. point I wanted to uh, like just skip this week. Because there were so many, but so I got through them. So, wet, wet, wet are Graham Clark on bass, Tommy Cunningham on drums, Neil Mitchell on keyboards, Graham Duffin on guitar, and Mark McLaughlin on vocals. They were they were formed in nineteen eighty two. Any idea where they're from? No, this is the only 
group. I want to say they're British though, but that's just thinking now. But this is the only group I think that I've not written down where where I think. Okay, Plaid Bank Scotland. Oh, okay. Um, they are a blue-eyed soul stroke pop. Okay. So, so I think we've had blue-eyed soul before. Yeah, um, we have. And, uh, yeah, pop. Um, so Clark and Cunningham formed the group at school. It's actually while they were on the school bus they, they decided they were going to do it. Um, with mutual friend Mitchell, so Neil Mitchell, the keyboard player, he agreed to provide keyboards once he had saved enough money from his paper round. Oh, wow. So they were young. Yeah. As I say, they were, they were literally is on the school bus. Um, Clark approached Mark McLaughlin, who was known to be a good singer and was currently training to be a painter and decorator. Oh, um, so I'm guessing he's a bit older. Completely um, different now. With Lindsay McCauley joining on guitar... The Fiveson were known as Vortex Motion. Oh, so they've had a name change. Yes. And they mostly played covers of the Clash and Magazine. So yeah. that was 1982 when they formed. However, in 1983, Macaulay left and Duffin joined as a new guitarist. Hence why... I didn't include Macaulay because wet, wet, wet wasn't wet, wet, wet then, even yeah, though it is pretty much, you know. Um, so um, they, they changed their guitarist. And also around this time, the band met Elliot Davis, who would go on to become their manager. It was also around this time they changed their name to Wet, Wet, Wet after a line from Squitty Politty song, Getting, having, and holding, which had the line, uh, "It's, it's, it's tired of joking, wet, wet with tears." Oh, okay, so I added on the extra wet. Yeah, I did wonder about their name. It's a bit odd. So, yeah, um, and I'd still think they'd have been better off going wet, drip, dry. But <laughs> that's, just... that's how I know of them because you've always called them wet, drip, dry. Up. Uh, McLaughlin also changed his name to his now known stage name of Marty Pello. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay, so he changed his name to another name. Usually, yeah. when it's a stage name, it, they go like something just like a word, like Sting. Yeah. Or Meatloaf. Mm -hmm. Marty Pello. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so the band signed to Polygram in 1985 right. after the label had been sent a demo of Wishing I Was Lucky, um, which six months later the band released as their first single. I was guessing it didn't do much because you said they all had hits from 1985. Unless what, you sorry? included that one. I'm guessing it didn't hit high. Because you said they all started having hits from 1987 this week. Unless you included that one because of its background. Well, it, um, it depends when they signed up and that. But, I mean, I or when it got to where it did in the charts, as in when it was released and that. But, okay. as I'm about to say, and it reached the UK top 10 
and they went on oh, to wow. support Lionel Richie on his UK tour on the back of it. Oh, so wow. literally everything that happened. They signed up to a to a um, polygram, so a, a recording. You know, uh, I forget what you call them now. Recording oh, deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With their demo, they then obviously went in the studio, properly done it this time. It got released. Got in the top ten, and the next minute you're 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 touring as a support act for one of the biggest names at the time, which was Lionel Richie. So um, everything right. happened quite quickly. Mm. Um, so commercial success soon came as the band went back to its roots, releasing a cover of the Beatles with a little help from my friends for the charity Childline. Ah, okay. I thought that one weren't theirs. That's a Beatles song. Ah, okay. Because I didn't think, like, I recognised it because I've literally written under that song. Why do I know this one? Is it a cover or being covered? Mm -hmm. It is a cover. In 1994, Wet 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 had their biggest hit with a cover version of the Trogs single love is all around which was used on the soundtrack of four weddings and a funeral and spent 15 weeks at the top of the british charts other well so their covers have done really well i mean okay the first one was a charity one but you know love is all around yes that's technically in love actually as well it is in love actually as well yes because yeah. he sings, it's, his, it's the song he sings to release for Christmas. But yes, yeah, changes yeah. the lyrics, so it is yeah. in that. But it was at the time when it when it when it obviously was released, it was mm. on the back of Four Weddings and a Funeral. Right, I've never seen that film. I like so, when you said that. I was like, have I seen that film? It's like, why I know this song? And I was like, nah, it's definitely love. Actually, it's definitely a film you need to watch. Um, so yeah, so. Um, it was at the, it was at the, it spent 15 weeks at the top of the British charts when yeah. Marty Pello insisted to the uh, record company that the single was deleted from production. Why? So as they could concentrate on the album because he just felt that the song was now just becoming too much. Yeah. Mm. And bear in mind, it is a cover and it's from the sound. Yeah. It's more for the soundtrack. Um, so he wanted yeah. their own music to be put out yeah. there rather than. Overplayed yes. cover. Mm. Oh, I guess so, yeah. Um, however, even after it had been deleted, there were still enough copies in the shops for it to get to number two the following week. That's what? However, um, because of Wigfield, Saturday night, knocking it off number one, it didn't right. get to be the, uh, it didn't get to equal the British record which was held by Brian Adams with Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Also, probably funny enough, from a movie soundtrack of Robin Hood's Prince of, Prince of Thieves, which had been number one for 16 weeks. So if they'd left it one more week, who knows? If they got to number two with half of them deleted, they could have got to number one, but you, you don't know. Oh, OK. I thought you were revealing, accidentally revealing, that was the number one then. 
because well it is a number i've just i had to reveal that one to go through the story of it yeah being obviously. 15 weeks at number one so yeah. yes that was obviously one of the number ones yeah. um and was for 15 weeks and as i say it just missed out because they deleted it from shot or deleted it from oh, production yeah. and didn't you know the shops could only sell what they had in stock yeah. I mean, you'd think after 16 weeks or 15 weeks, if you didn't have it, you didn't want it. You know, surely you'd have yeah. bought it and they help her. Why, why has it taken so long? For but there now? you go. But it was still got to number two the following week. But, yeah, because it was only number two, thanks to Wigfield knocking it off with Saturday night, yeah. um, which you probably remember Saturday night, no? Mm. Saturday night. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that knocked yeah, it off yeah, number yeah. one. And by not being number one, it did it missed out on equaling um, the most amount of weeks by right. Brian Adams. Okay. Uh, in 1995, the band sponsored the shirts of their hometown club, Clydebank. So they were the first, or at least that I'm aware of, the first group to go and sponsor um a football that, team because obviously um, Mr. Sheeran does it now for Ipswich oh does he I did yes. not know that yeah he supports Ipswich he's from Ipswich and he he um sponsors his um his hometowns or his I, I did know, not know that but he sponsors their shirt it was it was last season with their his new album um, I don't know what it is uh, this season, okay. but I know he um, has extended the deal for this season as well. So he is doing it. But where, where, where did it back in 1995 at Clydebank, who um, unfortunately don't even exist anymore, So or not in the form they were. Um, so, yeah. Uh -huh. So um, in 1999, Pello quit the band to get himself healthy again after succumbing to alcohol and drugs, um, before returning as a soloist in 2001 with his album Smile. Uh, the band did reform several times from 2004 with Obsy Pello, but in 2017 it was announced that Pello had quit for good to focus, focus on his solo career. So you'd think when the uh, lead singer goes that, pretty much is nine times yeah. out of ten the end of the band or the however slowing. yes however in 2018 the band reformed with liberty x singer kevin sim replacing pello that was in 2018 2018 i used to love liberty x you know so yes now um in 2020 the band announced the 2021 release of new album, The Journey, which would be the first since 2007 and therefore the first with the new frontman, Kevin Sim, who, incidentally, had won The Voice UK in 2016. So not only was he with Liberty X, which was through X Factor or Pop Rivals, uh, whatever it, whatever it was, no? Liberty X just came out of nowhere. They weren't. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, I thought they were put together. Um, but yeah, he also um, has been on The Voice and uh, he won that in 2016. Oh, wait. Okay, no, maybe um, 
Liberty X was formed through a reality show. They were formed by, by five, five finalists of the 2001 ITV talent show Pop Stars. Uh, you to make it into the winning group hearsay. There you go. I didn't know that. Yeah. I used to love Liberty X. Yeah, Kevin Sim is from Liberty X. Also, what? So, one, he's been on, so, come runner up, did you say, in Pop Stars, although they went on to obviously. Well, they're, in, they're, on the, they're in the finalists. Right. And then they got together to form a group. Uh huh. And then, obviously, he's won The Voice as well in 2016. Oh my god! So, um, so, so surely yeah. that's cheating. If you've had a career in music, and then well, you go, people don't know who he is, though, did they? They had their backs to him. Yeah, but surely I get what you're saying. He's a good enough singer, but if you're out of work and you want to get back in, what's he had more to lose than he did know. to gain? But people would have known who it was because you don't go on The Voice without your auditions beforehand. It's only the coaches that don't know who it is. I'm sure know... someone else has been on there who was a singer before and they didn't actually even get through. So, mm. you know, you've got a lot to lose as well. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I will say, I mean, he they were at Rewind this year and um, you often go, oh, it's not going to be. But actually, he, he, um, he pulled it off, uh, to be really honest. So um, I think it's a bit like, um, obviously, um, what's his name with Queen? Um, oh, Adam, 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 Adam Lambert. Adam Lambert. Not Levine. Levine. You're not doing well today, are you? No. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit, it's, I suppose it's a bit like him. And um, we'll find another group where they've taken on another singer as the lead singer a bit later on as well. What, today? Um, yeah, yeah. Another group has taken on another singer. Okay. Uh, a well-known singer, or at least I know of them. So, yeah, they had some yeah. hits and that. But, yeah, so we'll come to that anyway. So, yeah, so that, that that rounds off Wet, Wet, Wet. So they had 13 top 10 singles, mm-hmm. eight top 10 albums. Um, so 1987, Pop Tin, Sold Out. And it is S-O-U-L-E-D, not S-O-L-D. Oh, okay. E-D. So it's sold as in as in soul. So it's saying like, and it's also the pop pop tin sold out. Uh, that got to number one. That got to number one. Um, Nineteen eighty eight, the Memphis Sessions. That got to number three. Nineteen eighty nine, holding back the river. That got to number two. Nineteen ninety two, high on the happy side. That also got to number one. 1993, Live at the Royal Albert Hall, got to number 10. 1993, End of Part 1, Greatest Hits, got to number 1. 1995, Picture This, number 1. 1997, 10, got to number 2. And then even in 2004, they had another Greatest Hits come out and that got to number 13. Then, you know, when you think that's now in 2004, so they mm. they were certainly, um, but yeah, three number one, no, four number one albums. That's good. Going. Um, of which one was the greatest hits, but yes. Still counts. So, yeah. So, on to the singles. So, you already know yeah. that one of the number ones has come from them. And it's the one but, that I said. So, I've got one um, number one, right? So, let's go through the rest. Mm-hmm. 1987, Wishing I Was Lucky, got to number six. 
Oh, wow, they came in strong. Now, this was a good one to start with. Fast pace, upbeat. I was ready for wet, wet, wet after hearing this. Also 1987, Sweet Little Mystery, number five. Ooh, this is my favourite. Mm. Been on repeat. It's feel good. It, get, it got me from the first beat. It's been in my head. Like, it's a great song. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Okay. 1987, still Angel Eyes, number five. Coming in strong, aren't they? So this one slowed down a bit. It was their first love song of theirs that I had, but it still had a good beat, and I really, really liked the chorus. Okay. 1988, Temptation, number 12. Okay, this one was catchy. It's got a mix of your slow and fast lyrics. It's a nice balance. Okay. So then, then we had the Childline charity single, which did have other people on it, um, but it was a double A. It was a double A side with their "She's Leaving Home." Okay. So it did get to number one, yes, but it was a cover of the Beatles. Okay. And it wasn't obviously just them, although it was mainly through them because they were the top band at that time. At that time. Mm. Well, I've got two right, two, I'm halfway with these number ones. Um, Like I already said, I knew this one, didn't know if it had been covered or is a cover. Nice and catchy. And then She's Leaving Home was just a sweet song. It weren't bad, it weren't the best. It 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 was a sweet song. 1989, Sweet Surrender, number six. Ooh, it's got a catchy chorus. And again, this one goes softer. You see what I mean? With their mixes of like the love songs, the fun ones and all of that. Okay. 1989 still, Broke Away, number 19. See, this one was was the slowest probably of theirs, but it showed that, what's his name, Marty Pello, it showed he can really sing. Uh Focused on that, so I enjoyed that. Okay, 1990s we're now going into. Hold Back the River, number 31. I liked it. It had a slow build-up, but it's got different tempos within it. It doesn't just stick to one. You can tell the differences between the chorus and the verses. I enjoyed that. 1991, Make It Tonight, number 37. Oh, they're going a bit down. It's got a good beat. It's a sing-along song, so I enjoyed it. Okay, 1992, Good Night Girl, number one. And it became their first, so even though they've had already a number one, this was their... Their own. Only self-penned number one. Yeah, yeah, because the other two are a cover. Well, I enjoyed this one. The vocals are on point. He's a good singer, any, but it's a massive love song. Massive, but it's a beautiful song. 1992, More Than Love, number 19. 
okay this one had a rocky tone to it so i was like i'm glad i didn't because i got the genre right but i was like oh they're going down a rocky path with this um but it didn't carry on like that after and it was nice and catchy 1992 lip service number 15 okay this one again i felt like they'd moved on a bit from pop had some harsher tones in it weren't the best that they had. So now we're going into 1993 and another double A, Blue For You, and this time, which was the live version, got to number 38. Oh, okay. The Yeah, the vocals are on point for Blue For You, um, but if I was to pick a least favourite, this time would be my least favourite of them. It's slowed right down. It's really not... It, it doesn't pull me in. So the past, like, more than love, lip service, blue for you and this time are probably my least favourites. Like, that little foursome there weren't, weren't the best. Which is funny because they're on the back of their number one. Good night. I know, but when you, when you said more than love was number 19 after a number one, yeah. I was like, what? But can't please everyone. 1993, Shed a Tear. Number 22. Okay. This one was really soulful and meaningful. It was, it, yeah, this is where I really knew that soul was definitely in there. 1994, Cold, Cold Heart. Number 20. Okay. This one's like, I can't explain it apart from saying it's to the point. It's got different sounds in the music compared to the others. So I, again, had a feeling they might be changing with time. But they didn't because of the next lot of songs. But yeah, it was a different sounding one. Okay. 1994, Love is All Around. 15 weeks, number one. Amazing. Um, it's just a beautiful song. I know it from Love Actually. I might have to go watch Four Weddings and a Funeral. Okay. 1995, Julia Says, number three. Oh, that's a good one as well. It's heartfelt. 1995, Don't Want to Forgive Me Now, number seven. It's got a, a good beat in this. It really gets, I don't know, it's like they're bringing back in their, they've done all their love song stuff and their softer stuff. They're bringing back in the fun with this one. 1995, Somewhere, Somehow, number seven. The only way I could describe this song is that it's such a lovely song. I couldn't think of any other words but it being a lovely song. 1995, Still, She's All On My Mind, number 17. This is quite slow, and I hadn't had a slow song in a while. Like I say, they brought back the more upbeat tones but it, yeah it, it was all, it was all right if it means that a slower down one 1996 morning number 16 this one was soft and i noticed i had a use of like backing singers um so i don't know whether any of the others dabbled with like doing a bit of vocals it was nice to have the like layers to it 
1997, If I Never See You Again, number three. Oh, it's the beautiful vocals. He has got a really nice voice, and there are loads of songs where it really comes out. Okay. 1997, Strange, number 13. I feel like the video is a bit futuristic. And again, there's a change in sound, but it might be because of what they were trying to do. I'm not sure. But it's, it's a nice upbeat one. We brought back that bit. Okay. 1997, Yesterday, number four. I felt like this was a really meaningful one. Like the lyrics went deeper, but I didn't think about them too much. Again, the voice. Okay, so now we're going into 2004. All I Want, number 14. Okay, it's got a good beat, catchy lyrics, nice and upbeat. I mean, it's still a love song, but it shows that they're talented and been able to change it. And then 2008, Weightless, number 10. This song. Now, as much as I've already said what my least favourite was, this one didn't give me much from it. It's quite a change from the others. But a good song, nevertheless. It went. I could have gone without it at the end. I quite, you know, because it changed compared to everything else I had. Could have not had it. Okay. So that ends us with wet, wet, wet. We shall now move on to living in a box. Yes. Weird name. Really want to know if there's a story behind the name, like always. Um, I've gone for pop. They're a really upbeat group. Sing along songs. They make you feel good. Um, and now I think they've got to be multi-talented. So I've I, th I don't know how many people are in the group, but um, in the videos I saw a lot of like trumpets. What I thought I didn't write down, but they had different instruments compared to what you usually have. Trumpets was one that stood out to me. Um, only ever really saw the vocalist though, so I don't really know how many are in there. They're a bit of an older group compared to others. Um, and what I love about their their early videos, they they literally had a card. You could tell it was like a cardboard box, and then through the bottom of it was the video. So like the framing was a cardboard box. And I was like, ah, you're being literal with your living in a box. Okay. So living in a box, were Anthony Titch Critchlow on drums. Well, I say were, they still are. Oh, They're okay. Marcus Veer on keyboards and Richard Derbyshire on vocals. They were formed in 1985. Any idea where they're from? Oh, maybe I didn't write where these are. Mm. Hang on. I want to go British with these. They are. They're from Sheffield. And the genre? I said pop. I just went for pop. Oh, right. Just plain pop. Fisty pop stroke pop. Okay. So they were named after their first song. Oh, yeah. As it was the song that brought the band together. So what oh. happened was Veer and Critchlow were recording a demo when Derbyshire, an independent recording artist, was invited 
to record the vocals. Oh, the so they're a bit of a put-together group randomly. Well, they didn't have a vocalist and they just hired one. Oh, and they were that okay. impressed. They then invited Derbyshire to join the group. And then they just decided to call themselves after that song, which was Living in a Box. But why? That's so random. And then Living in a Box, the single, was eventually released two years later in 1987. Why did it take them so long? Well, getting a record deal to get it out, I guess. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, true. Forget about no. all that. Yeah. Can record songs easily, but so. getting it out now. Their there. single Blow the House Down features Queen's Brian May on guitar. Not a lot of people know that. Ooh. I didn't, <laughs> but yeah, quite a coup for them because Queen yeah. would have been, you know, quite big back then. Uh, and that's mad that not a lot of people know that. Like, I'd be shouting mm. out, be shouting mm. out everywhere, every interview, I'd be dropping it in. I'll put it in a lyric for the next song. Yeah. So due to artistic differences, as well as changes at their record label, Chrysalis, the band broke up in 1990 before a third album could have been released. So they didn't Why get did to record it. Um, artistic differences. But they're still together. Hold on. Via is also credited to writing the songs Viva Love, Flames of Desire, Kiss Me Goodbye, and Ten Below Zero on ABC's top five album, Lexicon of Love, Part Two. So if you were to have bought um, ABC's Lexicon of Love second album, because mm. obviously their main album was Lexicon of Love, but this was like number yeah. two, um, then uh, Mr. Um, Marcus Via would have had writing credits for those those singles I just read out, or those songs that won that album. So oh. um, he's um, done writing as well. In 2013, Living in a Box, the single was featured on the soundtrack of video game Grand Theft Auto V, that which ended up being the second biggest selling game of all time with 160 million units sold. So if that doesn't get you um, yeah. noticed, nothing will your song. Yeah. So we said they split up in 1990. Yes. In 2016, Living in a Box reformed, however, not with Richard Derbyshire on vocals. Oh. They bought in British soul singer Kenny Thomas as the new frontman. Now, Kenny Thomas had a few hits in the late 80s, early 90s as well. So they probably knew him at the time from, you know, I don't know, Top of the Pops or, you know, whatever. They don't know. And obviously, yeah, they got him to. Uh, so he's now the singer. Is and they this were the other group that got someone well known? Yes, yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So um, they were on a tour, but Kenny Tom, well, I remember us, um, I think it was in Bournemouth, and they were meant to um, be playing there, um, you know, like a week or so, or even a couple of days, you know, when right. we were there for um, Level 42. 
um but they had to cancel because kenny thomas wasn't well i don't hey. know if um what the issues were um what the illness was and um if they are now retour if they you know have started again but um yeah they were they were due to be touring well remember that last year yeah um, but, um they cancelled so they've had three top 10 singles okay unfortunately none of their albums have done anything so i've got nothing to uh to write oh, about there surprising. they only had two Very rare. oh yeah. yeah with the time they've had mm. so you think they formed in 1985 they got their first single out in 1987 they disbanded by 1990 so it was short-lived let's see how their singles done 1987 living in a box number five my favorite song oh it's so upbeat and catchy it has been in my head so it's like wet 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 sweet sweet Sweet, sweet, what? Sweet, what did I say? Sweet, sweet little mystery. Oh, sweet, sweet little mystery was my favourite, and that was in my head. It's been replayed really many times. Living in a box, same, same thing. Absolutely loved it. Great song. Could have just had a week with living in a box. Nineteen eighty-seven, Scales of Justice, number thirty. Oh, see, this is another catchy one, and this I was like, oh yeah, we're really into living in a box. This beat just hits you different. It's, I don't know, there's something about it. It just gets me. So I'm surprised with that, charting. Still 1987, So The Story Goes, featuring Bobby Womack, got to number 34. Weird, this is another one that gets you moving. It's a head bopper. So now we're going into 1989, which is probably the second album. Blow The House Down which, as we now know, had Brian May on guitar, got to number 10. Hey, this is the Sing Your Heart Out, good music, straight in there. Do you see what I mean with this group of just a, a feel-good group? Mm -hmm. 1989, Gate Crashing, number 36. Okay, this was probably my least favourite. It was just more of a huskier tone in the voice. It's got a good beat in it, though. And then we have 1989, Room in Your Heart, number five. So they come back and went out on a high. Yeah, they did. This was mellow. It was a love song of theirs. Different from the others, but it gave a balance to the band, I thought, from like their upbeat ones constantly. Just checking, and yes, I have got the Living in a Box album. So, yeah. hmm. so I did like living in a box and I'm guessing you did too well, but we will find out later as we <laughs> move on to a group you've pretty much already hinted at you don't like I'm guessing I'm guessing it's this group we're gonna we'll review the Beastie Boys well the Beastie Boys. I've gone with a rock, punk, house, hip hop, any of those genres. They would fit it. Um, I'm guessing they're from the USA because they sing about it in No Sleep Till Brooklyn and also a let Open Letter to the NYC. So I'm guessing they 
uh, they're American. And never seen them playing any instruments, so I'm going to say they're a group, not a band. And the weird thing is, but I think this about hip-hop. In the videos, unless this is just for the video, they just seem like an underground band. With them in, like I can just picture them recording in a garage or someone's bedroom. Like I just get that feel from them. But I think it's because they're hip-hop and it might be the act they're showing, like the persona. Um... Listening to some lyrics that are actually good lyrics with deeper meanings, it's just, I don't know what it is. They want to have fun with their music, but the early hip-hop, it's just in your ears. And I, I think it took them a while to find their own sound and style of music with how they want to go. They didn't have many videos. Um, I think they're a trio. Like most of their videos were live performances more than anything, or like a rap battle, like you know, there was always something going on. Um, they've got a distinct style, but I can't describe it. Like in one video, one of them's wearing red, one of them's wearing yellow, and one of them's wearing blue, like a, like a, a full jogger set, and then another, like it's just very casual, but that you can tell they've got their own style with it. But yeah, not much to really say on it. I mean, I did have had quite a few songs. But because their videos weren't, like, there weren't anything in their videos, didn't really see much of them. And hip-hop's hip-hop, and it's kind of all the same. Okay. So the Beastie Boys were Mike D on vocals, Kate Schellenbach on drums, MCA on bass, John Berry was on guitar between 81 and 82, and then... He left and was replaced by A.D. Rock on guitar from 82. So there were okay. four of them. I swear I only saw three. And I swear all they ever did was sing together. Not ever. I never saw one of them pick up an instrument. They were formed in 1981. Now, bear in mind, we've, just said, we've already said that all these groups started, they got their first hit in 87. Mm. Tells you um, where they're from, really, doesn't it? Because we know that I mean, they nah. take a while to make it bigger over this side. So they could well have been, yeah. well, I'm sure they did, were releasing bigger. songs from early earlier than 87. Yeah. They just were never um, a hit over yeah. here. Because they yeah. are from New York City. Okay. Their genre is rap, rock, stroke, hip-hop. Okay, see, yeah, I've got hip-hop. So Some the of group it was, were... it was rock though, but yeah. Oh. So the group were formed out of an experimental hard punk band, the Young Aborigines, um, which had Mike Diamond, now known right. as Mike D, John yeah. Berry, Kate Schellenbach, and Jeremy Shatan. Now, when Shatan left in 1981. They replaced him with Adam Yorch, otherwise known as MCA. Um, and they changed their name to the Beastie Boys. Okay. So Berry then left not long after, and he was replaced with Adam Horowitz, right. otherwise known as Ad Rock. So okay. you've now got Mikey D. 
Adrock and MCA. The only person who didn't change her name was Kate. She just stuck with Kate. Oh. Yeah, I didn't so, even yeah, see a I woman know. either. Well. Their videos are very misleading. So Kate Schickenbach left in 1984 uh, ah. with Mike B then going on to the drums. So he became a vocalist stroke drummer. So right. she left in 1984. Now the Beastie Boys have sold 20 million records in the US alone and had seven platinum selling albums between 1986 and 2004. Okay. So they're quite big. They are the biggest selling rap group since mm -hmm. Billboard began recording sales data in 1991. So obviously Billboard's been going on for a while, but mm -hmm. I suppose it wasn't until that 1991 they actually started recording stuff by the sound right so before that you wouldn't be able to look at the archives and yeah yeah so since so, they have been keeping yeah, track of it. they've um they're the biggest rap group on billboard or that's selling. quite surprising because there's a yeah. lot of rap about now but i wonder if yeah. it's just because i don't know like back mm. in the day they were like one yeah. of the first well, definitely one of the biggest um, in 1987, the band went on a world tour. The tour was troubled by lawsuits and arrest as the band were accused of provoking the crowd. In Liverpool, um, a riot was caused just 10 minutes after they entered the stage. We've had Adam Horvitz, um, Adrock, um, arrested by Merseyside police, charged with assault and causing GBH, grievously bodily harm. So, oh, yeah. So there was also around, oh, it would have been around this time. I mean, I, I can just about remember it. There was a big, um, it was weird. So VW, the, um, the, the insignia in the grill of um, the engines were being taken out. So it's round, silver round with the VW. You could back then. I'm guessing now they'd be, you know, completely yeah. joined up and whatever. But then it just like, just literally oh, wow. come out. What it is is Beastie Boys wore necklaces with the VW thing on it. So everyone was nicking yeah, them off the cars to do the same. And it was oh. a big craze. And um, so, yeah, so yet again, as you can see, even though, the Beastie Boys didn't obviously tell their fans or whoever to go and do it. It, it was mm. just something that happened, but it was because of what they were wearing. People wanted to copy them. And, um, yeah, when Nick and the DW signs. So, yeah. Um, founding, uh, no, sorry. Um, in 2012, Adam Uch Youch died from cancer at the age of 47. Oh. So he is MCA. So Mike D said that the Beastie Boys would likely disband due to the death of MCA. This was confirmed in 2014 with Mike D saying he and Adrock, Adam Horvitz, would not be making music again under the Beastie Boys name. Ah, so Beastie Boys is done, but it's not, yeah. they're not saying that they're done with music. Yeah. So out of respect. They've lasted a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, 
And but obviously they only had a short time over here, but I'm guessing yeah. they're still yeah, you know true. doing okay in yeah. America. Um, so founding band member and guitarist John Berry died in 2016, aged 52, from dementia, following several years of ill health. Young. Yeah. That's mad. Um, so yeah, Yorks or Ute, I don't know how to pronounce it. Y A U C H. Youch. So his will forbids the use of any Beastie Boy music in advertisements. It's a weird thing to have oh, in will. Very odd thing to have in will. However, in 2014, Beastie Boys won a lawsuit against Monster Energy Drink, who used their music in a commercial, and they were awarded $1.7 in damages, plus 668000 in legal fees. Wow. So, yeah. That's a lot, isn't it? So, the Beastie Boys, as far as the UK go, are concerned, had three top ten singles and three top ten albums. So, 1987, She's On It, got to number ten. 1998, Intergalactic, got to number five. And 2004's To Check It Out, got to number eight. Okay, not bad. So now we will find out how their style of music done it over here and whether yeah, the I mean, British public were ready for this change of scene um, yeah. in the late 80s, early 90s. I can't see it hitting that well in the late 80s. So, Although I do think Flight is the one. 1987, you got to fight for your right to party. <laughs> Didn't even make the top 10. Really? Number 11. 11? That's their Tom song that they're known for. Yeah. Okay, I'm banking on Proclaimers to have the number one then. Um, I recognise this song. It just gets you riled up for something. You're just there, like, all right then, I'll fight for my right. Like, yeah, it's sort of it's well known. Genuine, I knew of theirs. 1987, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, number 14. Okay. This is a head popper, head bopper, but, by, but the way that it's sung slash shouted just ruins it. Like, the music's good, but the way they, I can't think of the word. Like put the lyrics. Out. Oh, right. Yeah. Just, like, the way that they, like, the way it's put together isn't the best. 1987, She's On It became their first top ten, number ten. Okay. See, I thought they might have session musicians, right? Because I thought they didn't play any things, any instruments. But in this one, there's a harsh guitar sound, a loud drum, but the but the like actual song is catchy. It's just kind of drowned out by the music. Then they had a double A with girls and she's crafty. But it didn't really help them because it only got to number 34. Oh, wow. Well, Girls is my favourite. 
Um, it's very catchy. I'm not 100% sure about the message and what they're singing about, but I can't help but get it in my head. So all my favourites this week have really been in my head. Um, and it has good music for the back end. And then She's Crafty is when they started getting more into a rhythm and working out their own sound. So it was more put together, more of a flow to it. Then they had another double A side, but we're now going into, so we've gone for 1987 where they had four singles. We're now going into yeah. 1994. Oh, oh yeah, but then this is just hitting so over here. Though, not seven here. years later. Yeah. Uh, a double A side, um, Get It Together and Sabotage got to number 19. Okay, so Get It Together, they're comfortable with their rapping now. There's just a beat in there that I'm not a fan of, but like you can tell they really know their own sound. They've got it. They're working together really well. And then Sabotage, that's probably my least favourite song. They're, there's a bit of screamo in it. Um, and the music's the worst out of in this one. Okay. Staying in 1994, Sure Shot, number 27. Hey, this one's got good lyrics. That's all I could really say about it. Um, because, like I say, hip-hop's kind of like the same when they find their sound. It's more about the lyrics, isn't it, than anything else. Okay, 1998, Intergalactic, number five, their biggest um, chart to date. Okay, this one was futuristic. Even the video, remember the video had a massive robot in it. Um, and I like the beat coming from the robot, but then further into, into the song, it gets too much. Like the robot is really going like, Intergalactic, Intergalactic, like constantly. Uh -huh. And that got a bit annoying. Okay. Uh, we now come on to another double A, which they obviously like. Oh, this is now their third. Right. So remote control and 3MS and IDJ. Hang on. I... Did you not do body moving? Oh, have I missed that one out? Ooh. Yeah. I've obviously missed that one out. I apologise. I will come back okay. to that one while I look for it, but I will carry on okay. with these. Um, so, yeah, so... Um, Remote Control, so this is 1999, uh, Remote mm -hmm. Control and 3MCS and, uh, and IDJ, which is the title. One DJ. Sorry. It's 3MCS, oh, it? one DJ. It's a one. Oh, sorry, one DJ. Um, that got to number 21. Not bad. Remote control. I like the chorus. There's a bit of singing in there. I was like, oh, look at them go. And then three MCs and one DJ. It was okay sounding. It didn't really stand out to me. It was it was like more like an album filler, I'd say, in relation. Okay. So going back then to 1998, Body mm. Moving got to number 15. Okay, I thought that one was just really repetitive. It weren't an up there one. Okay. 1999, Alive, got to number 28. Got good rapping. Not bad at all, that one. Mediocre. Okay. Um, 2004, we're now going to, with wow. Just Check It Out, number 8. 
the, the downside of this one, for me, the music drowns it out. But, like, if the music was a bit quieter and let the vocals come through, it would be an up there one. Um, uh-huh. It's a shame that the music drowned out their vocals. Okay. Uh, 2004 still, Triple Trouble, number 37. Mm, see, I quite like this one. It was a nice head bopper. I enjoyed it. And in 2004, an open letter to NYC, number 38. This one's quite catchy, but by this time I was quite glad that we were done because they had quite a few songs. I'm glad their list weren't as big as Wet Wet Wets. Okay, so that was the Beastie Boys. You'll be pleased to say we're moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk the Proclaimers. Yeah. So obviously I knew um, that they've sung I'm going to be about 100 miles. Yeah. But that's all I knew. That's the only thing I knew about him. Um, I think, hold up. I'm here with it. It's come back again. A bit of country, yeah. <laughs> I put blues. Country. That's their genre. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm way out, but it's the country's back in my head, okay? I think they're brothers. I thought they were American, but then I thought so from me listening and what I thought of them, I was like American. And then after I'd listened, I was like, wait, aren't the proclaimers Scottish? So either or don't know. Um they're mostly known for I'm Gonna Be, so I feel like they're more of a one-hit wonder group, especially because they haven't got a vast amount of songs. They've not really got any videos either, um, so it's quite hard to know what their videos were like and how that's affected. But it's funny that at the beginning of Series 1, videos weren't a big thing, or there were some really good ones, can't lie, but there weren't as many videos. And now towards the end of the 80s, there's less videos again. It's weird. I don't know if that's a coincidence or whether videos weren't as a big thing. Anyway, um, did I say I think they're brothers as well? They're quite nerdy looking. They don't look like they're 80s at all. They're just, I don't know, they don't fit in with the 80s look that I talk about. Yeah, but they're just, they look very alike. So if they're not brothers, I'll be surprised. Okay. Um, the proclaimers are Charlie Reed mm. and Craig Reed. Okay, so they're brothers, twins, maybe. They um have been active since nineteen eighty-three. Okay. Um, and they're from Leith, Edinburgh. And they are Celtic pop alternative folk. See, folk, country. Yeah, yeah no, no. I don't know why I thought they were American, but it weren't until after my notes that I was like, hang on, I know these are Scottish. <laughs> so, yes. So, Charlie and Craig are twins who uh-huh. were influenced by The Clash, The Jam, and The Sex Pistols. They don't sound anything <laughs> like them. That's exactly what I thought as I was writing <laughs> it. And I was like, really? 
um, ah. as well as earlier music by the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and the Kinks. I mean, that makes more sense, like the Beatles, Rolling no. Stone, don't know who the Kinks are, but yeah, that, that makes more sense than like the Clash and the Jazz. Yeah, so they both sing, but Charlie also plays the guitar. Oh, yeah, I was meant to say that. One of them has a guitar when they're walking down a road in one of their videos. Yeah. So, so they started out by recording a demo with the assistance of Kevin Rowland. Now, if you've done your um, remembered everything, if, if you're taking everything in that we've gone through, you'll you be able to me. tell me who Kevin Rowland is, won't you? No. No. Okay. Uh, Kevin Rowland, the front man of Dexie's Midnight Runners. So um, with the assistant of him, the assistance of him, they recorded a demo. The demo ended up in the hands of English indie pop band, the House Martins. Now, can you remember who was in the House Martins? Also, God, we only did these recently. I'm not good with names. No, no. Fat Boy Slim, Norman Cook, as he was then. Um, oh. So he was in the House Martins. Yes, I um, remember. Yes, they yes. invited the duo to support them on their 1986 tour. So um, the House Martins got them on, on their tour. Um, the tour led to an appearance on Channel 4's yeah. The Tube. Now, who can you remember was involved in The Tube? You've never mentioned a tube. We have. No, you haven't. Well, Paulie Yates was on the tube. And um, she obviously was mentioned a lot last week because of In Excess, but also because of Bob Geldof, Boomtown Rats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And they were quickly signed up by Chrysalis Records, which, funny enough, is the same record label that um, Living in a Box were with. So, uh, so yes, they were signed up by that. So, obviously, as you've already said, they're renowned for their hit, I'm Going to Be 500 Miles. So their hit song, which was written by them, ended up being covered by Peter Kay and Matt Lucas for comic relief in 2007. Almost 20 years after the Proclaimers version had hit the charts. Oh, yeah. It gave the duo their number one hit. I'm going to be the number one. As their original release failed to reach the top ten. So So didn't I tell you, you listened to five number ones, but only four by the groups. So, I mean, it is the Proclaimers. They wrote the song. However, it was a charity record that got it to number one, not their own. Can I have that still? No. But I'm technically right. You're not, because their version got nowhere near number one. But technically... Technically, they wrote it. Yes. They got a number one. (laughs) Yeah, 20 years after they they wrote it. Oh, I think I might know what the number one is this week then. Even though I'm Going to Be 500 Miles was released in 1988 in the UK and Europe, 
it wasn't released in the US until 1993, where what? it reached number three on the Billboard Top Amazing. 100, doing much better than the UK than in the UK. Although the single did reach number one in Australia, New Zealand, and Iceland. In such a random place to have reached number one. So although the duo are best known for I'm Gonna Be 500 Miles, their biggest chart success in the UK was A Letter from America, which was their first okay. release and was produced by Jerry Rafferty, who was a Scottish singer-songwriter who had a top 10 hit with Stuck in the Middle with You in 1973 with his band Steeler's Will. If it's not a song you've heard, I really do say go and listen to it. With a joker on the left, clowns, no, clowns to the right, jokers to the left of me, stuck in the middle with you. Good song. Steeler's Wheel. Steeler's Will. W-H-E-E-L, as in steering wheel. Um, and then as a, he had a top five hit as a soloist with Baker Street. Again, if you haven't listened to Baker Street, go and listen to it by Jerry Rafferty. So the reason I'm talking about Jerry Rafferty is I just say he was the producer of their biggest hit, Letter from America, a Scottish um, singer songwriter. Um, the brothers. Sorry. Their biggest hit was their first hit. Yes. So again, like living in a box. Yeah. Um, the brothers were present at Rafferty's funeral in January 2011 in Paisley, Scotland. And Charlie said after the funeral that Rafferty was one of the few people who really successfully straddled the worlds of both folk and popular music. So you get the feeling as well that they were heavily influenced by Jerry like, Rafferty's yeah, music. Yeah, because obviously he was Scottish as well, but obviously... Yeah. He was, you know, yeah, and he was respected in both camps as he did it so well. Oh, wow! Well, I'll definitely listen to those two songs. Just yeah, de I would definitely, you'll like them. Um, so they had two top 10 singles and three top 10 albums. Their albums were 1988 Sunshine on Leith, number mm -hmm. six. 1994 hit the highway number eight and 2002's the best of which got to number five okay now regarding their hits yes was letter from america a number one 1987 mm. letter from america so it was a top 10 hit yeah. And it was inside the top five. Right. It was inside the top three. Oh, maybe it is. Nah, number Letter two. From America reached number three. Okay. Still good charting, though. It's a happy tune. I feel like it's about something, but it's just nice and catchy. Comes in good. It's a good start from it. 
Okay. So then we come to, I'm going to be 500 miles, 1988. Mm-hmm. And as I've already said, it didn't even get into the top 10. Got to number 11. Oh, just outside. So as I mean... we now know, 2007, however, it did get to number one, but it wasn't classed as them. Even though they wrote it, it was a comic relief by... By Peter Kay and Lovely. Matt Lucas, and he's probably better known for the video where now Ronnie Corbett is walk. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Ronnie Corbett falls off the travelator or the whatever it is that they're they're on. He fell off he it. He does, doesn't he? Falls yes, to the side. and that's, what, that's yeah. what he's more known for. But yes, so yeah. um, that was uh, number one in two thousand seven. However, for the Proclaimers. It got to nine. It got to number eleven back in nineteen eighty eight. Well, it's obviously a classic, and it? it's just so catchy. But it's that I mostly know it because of Peter Kay. Yeah, and it's actually on an advert at the moment. I keep hearing no, it. Not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on an advert. I can't remember what the advert is, but it's on an advert at the moment. Um, but yeah, but um, would it have been such an iconic song had it not been for Comic Relief? Because as I say, it wasn't. It wasn't a hit. Mm. And I'm going to be is what the proclaim. Like I know the proclaimers sung it, and I have heard their version. But I would only know of it because Peter King did it. Yeah, yeah. It, in for comics. So yeah, if he didn't do it, would I have known about it? No. Mm. Uh, 1988, Sunshine on Leith, number 41. Oh, well, this is a love song. It's just swaying, gets you slowly moving. It's it's nice. 1990, King of the Road. It's from an EP, King of the Road, but it was obviously the biggest single off of that EP, and it got to number nine. Okay. This was my favourite. Loved the vocals, loved the beat. It's a nice sing-along. It's up there for me. Okay. Uh, 1994, Let's Get Married, number 21. Okay, chorus is the... Highlight of this, the verses aren't that great, but the vocals are really nice. Okay, and then lastly, 1994, What Makes You Cry, number 38. Okay, this is simple sounding. It just feels raw. feels like it's just, I don't know, just very stripped back in them, just about them as two singers. Okay. So that is the Proclaimers. I'm pleased to say again, I have their oh, album. The best of. Yeah. The best of. Um, and yes, they are. Yeah. They're good. Um, let's move on then to Los Lobos. Los mm-hmm. Lobos. Two songs. Yeah. What do you think of them? They're a happy chap. Well, I say they. In the videos, it's mostly focused on the vocalist. And he just seems like a happy chap. I think they're a duo, maybe with some session musicians. Not 100% sure. Like I say in the videos, it was more focused on the vocalist. Um, it proper brings out the cheese, and it? Nice bit of cheesy music. We know how I feel about them. Um, no ideas who these were. But the La Bamba are recognised. Um, and they've brought so much joy to my week. Um, I listened to one, two, three more 
So I listen to Don't Worry Baby. It's not as upbeat. It doesn't give the same feels as La Bamba and Come On, Let's Go. I listened to One Time, One Night. And that had a country feel to it. So it was different sounding again. But the vocals were really good. And then That Train Don't Stop is more of a focus on the music rather like it's more of an instrumental with a bit of singing um weren't 100% sure on the genre mostly because also listening to the other three threw me right off um some sort of pop blues could be anything don't know when it's two songs like it's hard so what were the other songs you listened to i was just seeing where they if they've done anything don't worry, Don't baby. Worry. Did you say? Yeah. yeah. Uh, number fifty-seven. That got two in the UK. No, nothing anywhere else. Not even in America, from what I can see. Okay. Um, one time, one night. Uh, one time, one night. Not wasn't released anywhere at all. Okay. And that train don't stop. Can't even see it. Now, if you'd oh. gone for some of the others, um, they did have obviously other other hits these When I was making my notes, as well, where, where, where did it take up a lot of my time? So Donna, no, I didn't, no, I didn't got see to uh, number twenty-seven in Belgium and number twenty-six in Switzerland. So no, you could have, you know, could have gone with that one. Well, what I did was. Type Lobos in YouTube and like scrolled down to like the first ones that weren't La Bamba. Come on, let's go. And will the wolf survive? Got to number 38 in the Netherlands and number 78 in America. Now, I don't know what chart in America, but it got to number 78. So, if it was a whole, I nearly listened to that one, Ah. but I'd already listened to the three and I was like. I've got to move on and do all my rest of my notes yeah. and what. So I was like, no, we'll leave it. And if I've got time or I remember, I'll go back to it. And I just, I never did. Okay. So Los Lobos are David Hidalgo on vocals, Louis Perez on drums, Cesar Rosas on guitar, Conrad Lozano on bass, and Steve Berlin on keyboards, who joined in 1982. They were formed in 1973. What? Yes. They're from East LA in California, so East Los Angeles, and they are known for their Latin rock music. Okay. Well, I had no idea on genre. I just took a guess. So Los Lobos is Spanish for the wolves. That will explain their song, The Wolves Will Survive, then. Yeah. Or don't survive. And the band is heavily influenced by both rock and roll and country music. Country's come out at once for once. Yes. I wouldn't have said they were country in any way, shape or form. Now, in 2015... Huh? I wouldn't have put them down as a rock either. No, Latin rock, I will say, yeah. Mm. In 2015, they were nominated for induction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's been a while since we had that come Ooh, up. It, uh, yeah, it's 
been a yes. while. But they missed it? out to Cheap Trick, who were instead inducted in the 2016 inductees. So they missed out, but they were nominated. They were, they were there. Uh, so although the band were formed in 1973, they didn't rise to international stardom until 1987 with their version of Richie Valens La Bamba. Recognize this version. Not that I've listened to version. Which reached number one on the US Billboard Top 100. Oh. As well as reaching number one in Australia, Canada, Finland, France, New Zealand, Italy, oh. Spain, Switzerland, and Zimbabwe. Wow. That's a lot, isn't it? It also reached number one in the US Billboard Latin song chart. They're hitting everywhere, aren't they? Yep. And this is with the cover. So it's not even their own song, is it? No, it's a version of Richie Valen's La Bamba. So as far as over here, they had one top 10 single. There's not much I can, I can write about them because... They're not known over here, and they were literally, in a sense, a one-hit wonder as far as we're concerned. And that one hit wasn't even their own music. Yeah, that makes me a bit sad now. So, Los Lobas. No albums to talk of. Just okay. two songs. 1987, La Bamba. Number one, like in right. every other oh. country. <laughs> So when when um, I'm going to be and like when Wet 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 had three number ones yeah. and then it weren't two of them from, weren't theirs. Yeah. But then when the the fourth number one didn't come from Beastie Boys and then it weren't I'm going to be. I don't know if you heard me go, oh, I think I know what that number one's going to yeah. be. I, I didn't. I did have a feeling the band would be up there. But I didn't want to put it as a number one because there was only two songs. I was like, surely if they've had a number one, they've done more than this. But I guess they're just a one hit wonder. And then all, but also, they, it's not even theirs. Yeah. No, but it's a bit. So this, this week, you have listened to five number ones. Mm -hmm. Three of them are covers. And one of so them. So two from Wet 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 and one from Los Lobas. Yeah. Yeah, are covers. Yeah. One of them is a cover of the groups that we're talking about, so the Proclaimers. Yeah. They didn't get to number one, but their song did. Yeah. So the only real number one you've listened to is Goodnight Girl by the Wet by Wet Wet Wet. Yeah. Literally. In a sense. But what a, as yeah. far as I mean, writing it and singing it. Uh, yeah. So the Proclaimers yeah. wrote a number one, but they weren't actually they singing it when it got to number one. And um, the other three, as I say, are, are covers of, of um, other songs. Yeah. Man. So, yeah, other versions. So, That's sad for um, Do you want to talk about La Bamba before I move on to uh, Come On, uh, Let's Go? Holiday Vibes, such a good song. song. It was my favourite. It just feel good, in it? And then 1987, Come On, Let's Go, got to number 18. 
Okay, it's a really good follow on. It makes me want to get up and dance. It's a good one. Okay, so moving on to our last group this week, The Fall. Yes, The Fall. Um, I couldn't pinpoint a genre for this one. The songs are a bit different. For, like, there's four songs, right? And not one of them sounds similar to the other. Like, they all sound different from one another. Um, I didn't know whether I was coming or going. And videos, again, only four songs. There weren't many that had actual videos. Most of them were just, like, the album cover. Um, but in Victoria, you just like to dress up as a king or something. And then there's a ghost in my house, I just saw a lot of houses. So I don't, I can't really tell you how many people were in the group, whether it was a group or a band. Yeah. Okay. That's them. So it, is a, it is a band and they've had right. numerous lineups. Oh, so okay. I've gone with the one from the era of when they had their, their better hits. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Mark E. Smith on vocals. Craig Scanlon on guitar, Steve Hanley bass. His brother actually was in the group, or another Hanley. I'm guessing it's his brother. He left the group to go and um, form Kiss. So, um, so yeah. Uh, Bricks Smith, she was the lead guitarist. More about mm -hmm. her later. Um, Simon Wollenscroft, Wollstonecroft, he was the drummer. Um, he was about the third one by the time I wrote his name down. And Marcia Schofield was on keyboards. Um, right. They were formed in 1976. Any oh. idea where they're from? No, I had no idea about these. Like, because all the songs sound different, couldn't tell you what yeah. any of them sounded like. Couldn't see them. So no okay. idea. Uh, they're from Presswich, Greater Manchester. Oh, and... Okay. Um, they are just known as post-punk. Weird, because I, I don't get any feels of a specific genre. Yeah. So original founding band member Martin Brammer, who was a guitarist, he left in 1979. However, he returned in 1989 before leaving again in 1990. Um Bricks Smith joined the band in 1983. Um, she replaced Martin on guitar, but obviously quite a few years after because he left in 1979. Um, mm -hmm. And um, she joined after Marion lead singer and founding member Mark Smith or Mark E. Smith, as he's um, known. I suppose there's other Mark Smith. Smith's not an yeah. unpopular surname, so he went by Mark E. Smith. Um, they actually got married just six weeks after meeting each other. Um, he met her in, uh, she's from America, California. He met her out there. Um, they obviously got talking, but both into music, like the same music. And yeah, six weeks later, she's over in Manchester, married and in a, in a group. <laughs> so, uh, considering she's American, don't you have to get visas yeah. and stuff? Um, so, yes. It's that quick, isn't it? The Fall have been called the most prolific band of the British post-punk movement. Um, since forming in 1979, now are you ready for this? Yeah. They have released 32 studio albums. Yeah, I've only got 
four songs. Yes. And they're British, so we can't even blame yeah. it on them not when you're being over. Plus, there would be more than three times that amount if you included live and compilation albums. However, it did say that the compilation albums, there's a lot of them that weren't authorised by Marky Smith, who's like the main person behind. So if you don't have his say. So, yes. Um, now, who's the BBC radio DJ that we often talk about? Can you remember? John Peel. Well done. You've remembered at last something. So, what do you mean at last? To... I know some things. What, you didn't know who Kevin Rowland was? I'm sorry, but when they're mentioned one time in one episode of one band, I'm not really going to remember, am I? There's a lot of one-time people with one bands that get mentioned every week. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, BBC Radio 1 DJ, or BBC Radio DJ, John Pill, championed them, or the four, from early on in their career and described yeah. them as... His favourite band. Really? Yeah. And okay. famously said, they are always different. They are always the same. Uh, well, that makes no sense. I mean, always different, yes, because that's what I've said. But how can you say in the same sentence, <laughs> they're always different, always the same? <laughs> that makes no sense. He obviously meant something by it, as in their their music's different, but they come across the same, or they, you know, I don't know. I, I, yeah, yeah. So, Mark E. Smith is the only member from the original lineup in 1979 to have still been with the band in 2018. Whoa, so they've been going for time then. Yes. So, as I said, um, in uh, 19, when it was now, um, 1989, Martin Brammer rejoined the group as guitarist. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. He joined because Brick Smith had left the band following her divorce from Marky e. Smith. He so they got divorced. Um, she went and... Uh, formed another group, and while with that group, she met Nigel Kennedy, the um, well-known classical violinist, very eccentric man. Um, you wouldn't, if you saw him, you wouldn't think he was a violinist. Um, so she married him. Um, Nigel Kennedy. Nigel Kennedy, yes, he's a violinist. Always wore a West Ham scarf, I think, or Aston Villa. Might get it wrong oh, there. Aston Villa, same colours. I'm pretty sure he was Aston Villa, not West Ham. Um, but yes, she married him. Classical violin. No, exactly. He's very um, oddball, if that, in a nice way. Um, they've since divorced as well. They've since divorced as well. But yes, yeah, she um, mm. she left Marky e. Smith, divorced Marky e. Smith, and ended up with um, ended up going with um, and marrying Nigel Kennedy. And she's like now remarried, and her name oh. is Brits Smith Smart. So yes, oh. but um, she has um had an had an autobiography or a memoir published, and in it she said um how weird both um <laughs> Nigel Kennedy and Marquis e. Smith were. 
really? so it just shows you how yeah yeah yes actually nigel kennedy cra wanted to crash a car just to see what it would be like yeah only problem was it had her and her mum in it so we were driving along and was like let's crash this car should we do yeah. it wait hang on i shouldn't put my wife and my mother-in-law in it yeah yeah, so, um, so yeah, and I wonder if she wanted to end that marriage. But yeah, but um, she did say that obviously while um, they were going through the divorce, the atmosphere in the fall wasn't that good between. Uh, I mean, she still she said she's on good terms still with Nigel Kennedy. They still speak, but she doesn't speak to Marquis Smith. They didn't obviously part. I guess it's her. not only a divorce. It's a breakup of a band in a sense as well. Yeah, isn't it? well, yeah, she felt so it. She couldn't carry be... on and left the band. Yeah. And um, as I say, Mark Brammer yeah. come back. We only come back for a year. Um, right. So, uh, Mark E. Smith, as I said, he was the only member up until 2018. Mm -hmm. So, um, this is the reason why. Um, it was his death in 2018 after a long illness with lung and kidney cancer, age 60. Um, that effectively ended the ban. So although his health had been particularly bad during 2017, which led to him performing in a wheelchair, um, however, his work ethic never declined. And throughout his illness, he continued to release a new album close to once a year. And um, it was his death that effectively put an end to the group. Okay. So tributes to Smith came from Tim Burgess of the Charlatans, Liam Gallagher of Oasis, Matt Osman of Suede, Billy Bragg, Stuart Murdoch from Bell and Sebastian, and Graham Coxon and Damon Alburn from Blur stroke the Gorillas, or Damon Alburn stroke the Gorillas. Um, so you can see quite a few people, obviously, he influenced as far as the music scene went in the uh, 1990s. Yeah. From Blur and Oasis to the Charlatans and Bell and Sebastian. Mm, quite a long list. So, um, yeah. I, just, I don't get it because not one song's the same, so I just can't fathom in my head. What. And the fact that John Pill, they were his favourite band. I don't get it. I mean, yeah, it'd be a favourite band. I'm not saying their music's bad. I just, they're not the same. So I, I don't know what people are getting influenced by. But you're only going by their hits. If That's true. went out and bought an album, you know. Then it so. might be more cons uh, consistent. So they had one top 30 single, three top 20 albums. So in 1988, The Friends Experiment got to number 19. 1991, Shift Work got to number 17. And 1993, Infotainment Scan got to number nine. So they had their best album in 1993. Bearing in mind, they'd been around since, what, 1976. <laughs> yeah. Now, regarding their singles, as you say, four, and as I've just mm. said, only one single got to the top 30. That shocked me a bit. It was quite far-fetched, so, didn't it? 1987, There's a Ghost in My House, mm. number 30. 
So that's their top 30. And it's number 30. Mm. It's a bit too quiet for my liking. And the one thing I think you know I hate, you know when you can't tell the difference between the verse and the chorus and it just stays the same sound? It's one of them. Uh -huh. Okay. 1988, Victoria, a cover of the Kinks song, uh, number 35. My favourite. I'm sad it's a cover. It's upbeat. It's got a catchy chorus. It's more up my street. Uh, and if you remember, the Proclaimers were also influenced by the I was going to say the Kinks we've had already this week. Yeah. That had been mentioned. Yeah. So 1992, Free Range, number 40. Okay, this one's got a rock feel to it. Um, it's just more talking than singing. See what I mean by they're different? Mm -hmm. And then 1993, Why Are People Grudgeful? Number 43. So not even in the top 40. Well, this one was more noise than anything. Okay. So that, that brings us to the end. Yeah. So there is one question I want to ask that I haven't asked. Okay. Now that we've gone through them all. So now I can't mm. even remember if it was your mum that is a wet, wet, wet fan or it's actually your auntie, so my sister. But you where would you put – Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Or not, but then I was doubting myself because of obviously the years. But, yeah, I mean – Well, I did think they it would have been be. with – they'd have been when you were sort of obviously – born as well actually well, some of their hits I thought so. that because i was so, like yeah. i've heard of them but they haven't been in my life and considering so i did write that um i thought where'd i write it that's beastie boys i wrote i wonder i want to assume they didn't last long into the 90s and that was because i hadn't heard of many like hadn't really heard of, about them and i thought well if mum was listening to them surely I'll, that would be like embedded in me somewhere well, i can't so remember if it was your mum or your auntie so my sister but well, what i want to ask now is yeah, anyway. where mm -hmm. would you put wet 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 with the, the following erasure pet shop boys aha what is your order in that for those four? Erasure. Number one or number four? Number one. Oh. Pet Shop Boys is number four. Okay. Aha's number two. Wet, wet, wet's number three. Okay. But then I don't good. know if it's because I've been around Aha song so much that I recognise them a lot more. So, mm -hmm. but I don't know. They just said they. I don't know. No, yeah, we we'll stay with that. We're, I'm not gonna. Try as long as Aha's above wet, 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 that's good. Because had they not been, I wouldn't be giving you next week's songs. That would be the end of the pod. But I'm pleased to say you will be getting next How week's songs. Times? How many times have you said <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna do this anymore if you say this? Uh. <laughs> Well, this this week it would have happened. But um, before oh, we move okay. on to next week's songs, let's find out whether um, we've got hits or misses. Yeah. But before I say mine, yeah. what are your thoughts on all of these? Not what you think I'm going to say. What do you? What think my thoughts? Um, well, I've I own CDs of Wet Wet Wet. I oh. own the Proclaimers. 
I own Living in a Box. For me, they are the three groups that I would go and watch. Yeah. The duo, as the proclaimers are. Um, I'm happy with their musics, all, all of those three. I don't really know the fall. I'm not interested in the Beastie Boys and Los Lobas. Were, they were they were like a novelty. You know, yeah, sort of, like I said, holiday vibes. Hey, they're obviously big in America. They've been around a while, but as far as over here, you know, I don't even remember their other song. You know, it's just really um, Come and Get Me or whatever it was called. Um, I only really, come on, let's go. It's really La Bamba. And it wasn't yeah. really my. That was a my cover anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, I didn't even know that till I just. Ah. Uh. I was writing up. But um, no, um, for me, it would, yeah, it'd be wet, 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 living yeah. in a box okay. and proclaimers. I thought that would be your ones, but I didn't know how you actually felt about wet, wet, wet because you called them wet, drip, dry. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I'm not. They're they're um, they're not one of my top groups. Obviously, mm. I've because, and as I say, I can't even remember whether it was your mum or, or my sister who who was a fan of wet, wet, wet. But obviously, obviously, yes, I was um, forced upon their music, so to speak. Um, yeah. They weren't. They weren't necessarily my, but there is some songs I like. Sweet Little Mystery, Wishing I Was Lucky. Um, you know, they're, they're songs I like. Uh, Good Night Girl. Um, but it's their hits. I wouldn't say I would like, I'm necessarily going to like their their other, their album songs. Do you like their greatest stuff? Greatest Yes, stuff. yeah. I'd, I'd, I mean, and that's what I'd, I'm like, you know, if it's obviously like a har and that, I've got their their yeah. their albums no matter what. Whereas wet, 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 I'd go out and buy the greatest hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Although I have got popped in, sold out on cassette. I did um, mainly because of wishing I was lucky. I did like that and um, mm. sweet, sweet little, little mystery. So okay, uh, so yeah. All right. Well, for me, wet, wet, wet were yeah. a hit. I, I was worried because of how many songs they had, but actually going and listening through them, I didn't say this to you because I didn't want to give it away. But I wrote, I did write down. Um, I don't think there is a song that I dislike. I wrote, but I didn't okay. say it because I was like, that gives too much away. Um, Living in a Box, again, mm -hmm. a hit. I surprised myself with them, but like I say, Living in a Box, that song on its own, oh, perfect. Living really in good. a Box. Living in a cardboard in a box. box. Yeah, Living in a Box. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. Beastie Boys is a miss i, I just yeah. don't really get it like i feel like once you've listened to one you've listened to them all mm -hmm. um proclaimers were a hit i did enjoy them uh lost lobos are also a hit but i like cheesy stuff um uh -huh. and like yes i've listened to others i probably won't really listen to the others again but i do like their hits and then The Fool was another miss. They were just a bit too up and down for me. To, yeah. Like I kept saying, that none of their songs are like similar. No. Okay. So that brings us to next week. Yes. Are you ready to find out who you've got next week? Yeah, tell me. Okay. So next week you have got... To pow. Okay. 
All About Eve. No, not heard of that. Hue and Cry. No. Sisters of Mercy. No. The Firm. Nope. Yellow. No. Okay. So, this will be an interesting one next week. Mm. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. Will there be any songs that I recognise? Possibly, yes. Okay. So, just to recap, to Pow, All About Eve, Hue and Cry, Sisters of Mercy, The Firm, Yellow. Okay, I will mm-hmm. send you the songs to listen to, and um, we'll look forward to uh, discussing next week. Yes. On that note, I will say goodbye. Yeah. All right. I'll speak to you next week. Okay. Bye, Dad. Bye.